Thanks for tuning in to Leesburg Daily, a Monday through Friday podcast where we dive into the Word, study it together, and apply it to our lives. Today we pick up in John chapter 8, and we'll pick up today in verse 21, which is um, uh, this section today, 21 through 30, is kind of a, a tricky uh, passage, I think, at times to understand. But I hope, and it's my prayer, that as we walk through it, you'll walk away, uh, uh, maybe understanding it a little better, uh, uh, because it seems so... Um, camouflaged at times. Uh, let's start reading and, and, and we'll we'll talk through it. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 21. Uh, remember, Jesus is uh, talking to the Pharisees, uh, and there is a huge uh, a building conflict between he and them. Um, and he's making these claims that he is the light of the world. Um, he's using divine language, I am, Ego I me, which would point back to the name of God. And so he's saying, I am the light of the world, um, which would have been blasphemous for these uh, Pharisees, uh, for someone to say, which is why they have so much conflict with Jesus. Uh, in verse 21, we pick up and it says, Then he said, he said again to them, I go away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews were saying, surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. This is a a tricky uh, passage to understand. Here we have Jesus again returning to the theme of his his leaving, as he has a couple times already. But now he, he connects it with his opponent's sinfulness. His departure has implications for them is his point. And they're going to look for him, uh, presumably for, for help, uh, but they will die. Excuse me, they will die in their sins. His conclusion is in verse 21, where I go, you cannot come. And this seems to give the reason why they will die in their sins. They will die in their sins because they are not able to go with him uh, to the Father. As we see and have seen and will continue to see, Jesus is the way to the Father. He makes that abundantly clear in John chapter 14. Uh, he is the one who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, John the Baptist told us that in chapter 1. Uh, he is the one who enables sinful mankind to be united with the Father. And in rejecting him, his opponents are cutting themselves off from the presence of the Father. And, well, they speculate and they say, well, surely he won't kill himself. Surely he's not talking about suicide, will he? Uh, uh, now, this is where, again, we're foreigners reading a foreign book uh, in a foreign culture. But uh, uh, we, we find some help in this in Josephus' writings, for example. Jo- Josephus was a, a, a Jewish historian in the first century. And, and according to Josephus, the Jews viewed suicide as consigning a person to the darker regions of the netherworld, um, because it was, according to the Jewish uh, uh, faith and, and, and tradition system, uh, suicide uh, was a crime that was hateful to God, because it was an act of impiety toward, uh, quote, an act of imp- impiety toward our Creator. That's according to Josephus, as he writes in uh, the Jewish Wars. And so when Jesus says that they will die in their sins because they cannot go where he's going, 
uh, they think that he's talking about himself dying in a in a sinful way. See, their interpretation of, of, of his words shows that either they are missing entirely what he's saying to them, or they are hard-hearted in rejecting his message. Uh, the reference to suicide ironically applies uh, to them. Think about it for just a second. In a sense in which their unbelief is suicide, and then they're choosing to to reject this offer of of the light of life, of, of Jesus' way uh, to the Father. In rejecting him, they're choosing a death. Now let me pause there for just a moment, and um, I am growing more and more grieved each uh, time I hear about a suicide uh, situation uh, in our community uh, or in our world today. We, we, we are so connected with so many places. Uh, over the past two years, uh, there have been so many uh, ministers that I have known of who have uh, taken their life. Uh, we've had suicide that's impacted families here at Leesburg, uh, for sure, um, and in the greater community as well. And suicide is a is a heartbreaking thing, uh, but for the faithful Christian, and this is going to be somewhat unpopular. So if you're offended, uh, I'm somewhat sorry. Um, I don't mean to be offensive here, but 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 it's important for us to say this and be clear about this. It, it, it would be an error, and it would be painting a bad picture to comment about someone after they've taken their life and, um, and, and say comments and phrases um, like, well, at least they're at peace now. We don't know that, and I'm not condemning uh, someone for taking their life out. That's not my job to condemn. But he, here, here's my worry. We need to be very careful about the vocabulary, the vocabulary that we use to discuss someone who's taken their life. Um, because what we don't want to paint is a picture for younger people uh, that says that it is an acceptable uh, pathway um, to peace. Ultimate peace is not found in suicide. Ultimate peace is found in a relationship with Jesus. And, and so for whatever reason, whether it's uh, drug-induced, whether it is um, uh, just mental health issues that leads a person to a moment of despondency where they make that tragic choice, I'm not condemning that choice, but I am saying to the Christian believer with ears uh, and a mouth, uh, to hear and and speak clearly on this, we cannot paint that as a as a well. These so and so is not in pain in this world anymore, because that 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 communicates that the pathway to eliminate pain is suicide, which is counter uh, what the word says. I hope that makes sense. I, I am grieved more and more to see and read about pastors, specifically pastors, but also Christians who will speak on suicide in such a uh, a way that uh, I, I think they don't want to dishonor that person. And so I understand um, uh, that they don't want to seem judgmental, and I understand, and nor do I. 
but it's very important that we not paint that picture. Uh, this past week, I was contacted by a former youth group student, who, who uh, and I had made a, a comment uh, publicly about uh, mental health, and he commented to me, and he says, uh, John, I've always considered myself to be fairly mental, uh, uh, healthy mentally, uh, until I started learning about mental health and realized that I'm not very healthy mentally. Uh, and, and I've I've chewed on that statement. I thought, well, if you thought you were mentally healthy, and then only until learning about mental health have you realized that you're not mentally healthy, maybe culturally we're putting too much emphasis on mental health. In that, the more I look at a wound, the bigger it might seem to be. Okay, that's a hot talk, a hot take, and I, I probably should move on. The, my point is, uh, since suicide came up here, I thought it would be important uh, to comment uh, on on it. We have got to be careful with the messages that we are sending our young students. I see more and more young children, middle school, high school age, talking about suicide in a way that is. Uh, uh, as as if it's a prescription to relieve pain uh, when in fact it's not it is uh, the Christian doctrine would teach much like the Jewish uh, uh, doctrine would be that it's it's hateful to God you are created in God's image and if you take your life you are you are impacting God's created uh, uh, order and method and you are created with a purpose and with a reason in this life as well as the next okay uh, Jesus doesn't deal with their reference to suicide we'll, we'll move on uh, before I really upset and I hope I haven't offended anyone but we'll move on um, uh, Jesus doesn't pick up on the reference to suicide uh, here uh the mercy of God is refusing to be uh, deflected uh, by human uh, perversity or hardness of heart. Um, instead, he repeats his witness uh, in a different language. He, he says in verse uh, 23, he says, um, uh, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world, and I'm not of this world. Um, what was implied earlier is that um, they judge by human standards, and now it's expressed quite clearly. Uh, Jesus and the Jews are not in the same sphere. Uh, Jesus has come from God is in, and is bringing God's own presence in our midst, um, but they have no openness toward God. Jesus is speaking uh, of, of states of being, of core realities, uh, of existences. Um, he has come into the world in, in the fullness of humanity, but unlike uh, them, he's not of this world. Um, he's not bent by society, by culture that exists apart from God. Um, he is above this world and he's able to help help this world because he is not of this world. In saying that he is from above, Jesus uh, contrasts himself with every other agent of revelation. He is not simply a human being who has achieved enlightenment. Um, he is not simply a human being who has um, come to share what he has learned. Uh, his point of origin is not of this world to begin with. He's a human being just as we are, uh, but there is more to him than that. Uh, 
this claim that G, in the light of Jesus that uh, his use of I am r- reveals his two natures as we've talked about. He's the Christ, um, uh, but he's also fully God. He's fully human and he's fully God. Uh, I like to think of it this way because it helps us quite a bit. Why is Jesus able to do the miraculous things that he does? Walk on water and heal and uh, and tell the storm to stop. How is he able to do those things? I'm convinced that it's not because of his his uh, godship, his his divinity. I don't think Jesus used his god powers, if you want to say it like that, uh, while here on this earth. Hebrews says that he was made like us in every way. He lived like us in every way. The only difference being this: Jesus is fully human and fully God. You and I, listener, we are fallen human. See, we are born with this sin nature that that constantly tries to tie us down and binds us until we surrender our lives to Christ. Uh, He is fully human. We are fallen human. And so Jesus, here he concludes by spelling out his identity Jesus says, I, I told you that uh, that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. Uh, verse 24, you will indeed die in your sins. Jesus says that you must believe the ego I me, the I am, the, the I am formula there. You must believe that I am he, I'm the one who um, uh, that I'm speaking about. Otherwise, you will die. Verse 25 uh, so they were saying to him, well, who are you? Finally, uh, these guys ask the right question. They, they, they ask the right question. Who are you? Well, Jesus has been trying to tell them uh, that, that sin is, is separating them from the Father. And Jesus says that they're in their sins and has said that they are in their sins, which means that they are alienated from God and under the wrath of God. And human beings apart from God are not in neutral territory. This is another realization that we must come to grips with. Uh, Human beings, you and I, listener, who are apart from God are not in neutral territory. We're in a state of rebellion against God that began at the first rebellion in Genesis chapter 3, and it's characterized by death. The people that Jesus is talking to here are ignorant of their own condition, uh, as ignorant of their own condition as they are with his identity. But they finally ask the right question, who are you, Jesus? Jesus doesn't respond with a fresh uh, statement right away, um, though he, he will in verse 28. But instead he points him back to what he's already told them. This question, after all, has been raised throughout the festival, who are you, Jesus? They are viewing him according to human standards, uh, so he makes no sense to them until they are willing to open themselves up to his message and accept him on his own terms will will they be able to make headway. Unfortunately, they're not close to doing so, and we see that in this text. And so Jesus warns them that he, uh, he warns them that he will need to spell out further their own condition. Now look at verse 26. He says, I have many things to speak uh, to you and, and judge concerning you. Because he who sent me is true, and the things of which I have heard from him, these things I speak to the world. (coughs) 
Jesus again points out that he's not acting on his own, uh, that he is just a testimony of, of doing what his father has done. The son does nothing without the father. The son only says what he hears the father say, only does what he what he sees the father do, uh, uh, does what he sees the father do. They still don't. They still don't understand what he's telling them about the father, uh, and so he speaks more clearly. They will know that his identity when the Son of Man is lifted up. Look at verse twenty-eight. And uh, they still don't realize what he's speaking about and speaking about the Father in verse twenty-seven. So Jesus says, "When you, when you, uh, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He." And I do nothing on my own initiative, but speak the things the Father has taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus concludes by saying, when, you, when, you lift, when I am lifted up, and that's a very specific word that he, he's using there. Um, it, it could very well mean uh, exalted, but it also has this meaning of being physically lifted up. And I, I personally believe that this is a, a an illusion, a foreshadowing of when Jesus is lifted up on the cross. Jesus is basically saying here, when when I am lifted up, when I am lifted up on that cross, even uh, you will come to realize that I am He. Uh, again, he uses that ego, I, me, um, that name for God in that formula there. The idea is probably that they, at that point, will see um, uh, the brightest light uh, that Jesus has been claiming, I am the light of the world. They will see with the brightest light in their hearts, uh, it, it'll be revealed to them. And then the question is, will they embrace or reject Christ uh, as, as God reveals? Uh, verse 30 ends then. Um, Jesus says, well, let me point this out as well. Verse uh, 29, he says, uh, He who sent me is with me. I'm not alone. I always do the things that are pleasing to him. At this point in Jesus' ministry, many people have left Jesus. Many of his disciples have forsaken him, have moved on. Um, and, and so they might look at Jesus and they might say, He's a loner, a lone wolf. Jesus says, no, no, uh, uh, the Father is always with me. I'm always in relationship with the Father. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot that could be said about that, the incarnational ministry of Jesus. Uh, God put on flesh and, and was with his people through the life of Jesus. Uh, but not just in that aspect, Jesus was also with the Father, uh, not only as the bridge to bring us to the Father, but also... Um, uh, the, the way that uh, the Father is known to the world. And so he is never alone, Jesus says. The Father is with me. Uh, verse 30 ends on somewhat of a high note. He spoke these things, and many came to believe in him. Many came to believe. That's where we end today in verse 30. We'll pick up tomorrow in verse 31. Um, but, but some of the challenges that we see in this text are the importance of of realizing that uh, as we look back in this text, Jesus covered many things. Uh, uh, we see the hardness of heart. We should be challenged. Uh, do I have a hard heart concerning Jesus? Uh, or do I uh, embrace the conviction that comes with the Holy Spirit? 
Um, we also have that note that we touched on when it comes to suicide and our response and a, a Christian response to that, a careful response uh, to that. Um, we also see the 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 acknowledgement that um, each man and woman will have to come to a conclusion to either accept or reject. Um, in fact, uh, we know that a uh, a person who is not connected with the Lord is not in a neutral stance. Uh, in fact, Jesus tells us here in this passage and elsewhere uh, that they're not neutral. They're not in neutral standing. They are in opposition to. And that should be a warning, a challenge, a conviction, a, a thrust for us uh, to make Jesus all the more known in our worlds. Thanks so much for listening today. Uh, tune in tomorrow as we continue and pick up in verse 31 of John chapter 8. God bless. Take care.